Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to awaken to the truth of your soul? Welcome to today's episode of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show with your host, Nadia Khalil. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to today's show. Today is Friday, the first Friday of the new year. It is the 4th of January, 2019. I can't believe how easy. This year is the first year where I don't keep writing the wrong date, and I don't keep saying the wrong date. I'm, I'm here. For whatever reason, I'm ready, and I'm happy to be ready. So I do want to let you know I'm not in the chat today. For some reason, I had to use my um, iPad for today's show, and it won't put up the chat. It needs some kind of flash player, which I don't know why. Um, it doesn't have it, but it doesn't have it, and I can't get on chat. But I have a ton of questions, so i got to get started early so that I get them all. I got my first question came from Croatia, and it says, Dear Nadia, I have a question for Friday's show. I assume we already talked about this, but I would like to ask about the number 11 again and what happens to us when we see it, because recently I've been seeing it a couple of times a day. Thank you. The number 11, it's a heightened number. Every 11th second, every 11th minute, every 11th hour, every 11th day. There's, you know, I never really think of numbers and and what they mean. But the number 11 was a specific number that Christ wrote me about. And when he wrote me about it, I started noticing it, obviously, because I never thought of numbers. And now here I am looking at numbers everywhere. And I keep seeing this number. Like I'll look and it's 411, 311, 111, you know, 11-11. And I started seeing it everywhere. And then it started just showing up. And I thought, well, it's only because he said that, that I can't stop seeing it. But there was something bigger behind it. There's a one and a one meaning, too, that we are always a pair, but we are our own people. If you are you and and you are wherever you are, with your children, with your working, with your partner, in a relationship, whatever it is you're doing in life, we have more power when we are together than when we are apart. But more so, I know I always say God has our back. In our dreams, we reconnect to our twin souls, our actual twin souls. We reconnect, and then we are here, and the rest of us is still at home. The connection to home is never gone. And at every 11 second, a millisecond probably, you know, as small as you can go, whenever 11 hits, to the minute, to the hour, to the day, to the year, we touch base. We are constantly touching base. We are never without even the worst of us, which where I'm going to answer a question for Eric after this, um, and I'll explain what his question was. It's an awesome question. And both, you know, we're all going back to what was said in Origins of Truth. That book, it just keeps coming alive over and over again. But we talk about the number 11 a lot. Think about 911, 911, 411. Why do we choose those numbers? We don't even know. It's like the sunset. Why do we stand and watch it? We connect with home because that glow of the sun is what it looks like when you first 
enter past the white light. It's a glow. It's that color, that amber color. And the number 11 is just that. It is us connecting over and over and over again. When we believe in fear, doubt, worry, control, or guilt, running our lives, that's why our life is the way it is. And we have all these issues around it. When we don't pay attention, we just shut ourselves off. We're still getting fed that energy, but then we doubt it. Like when we tell ourselves we're not okay, I'm not okay for whatever reason, I'm not worth this. We actually have to say that to ourselves to get ourselves to believe it because it isn't true. Everybody's worth their life. The way that happens is when we shut ourselves off and isolate ourselves and convince ourselves is where ego is always fighting us because ego is a threshold. It's here to teach us to grow past it. It's not good. It's not bad. It's a teacher. Ego is a teacher. If you can look at it that way and you start getting these thoughts that you may not want to be doing whatever ego is suggesting, but at the same time, it's suggesting it and it makes it sound good, even though it'll leave you high and dry once you've listened to it. But it, it helps us shut down the energy we get from home because now we're going down a different road. And that's why Christ always says, you can always go back to the fork in the road and repave it with love. The number 11, if you start seeing it everywhere, it's just God telling you, you know what, I'm here it's a validation, like, wow, you're noticing me, which means you're not listening to egos much. You're paying attention to your life. Just keep going. You're doing well. You're making decisions that serve your soul well. It's like, you know, somebody just giving you a small hand of, of love, you know, that, hey, just keep going. I know my son notices it all the time. Even people who don't know about eleven. We'll say, I keep seeing that number everywhere, and I get all excited inside. And if I have an opportunity, I tell them. I get to talk to them. And so that's the number 11. Even 9-11, when everybody went home, those, there was over 3,000 people at one time. And we look at it as, oh, my God, all these people died. And it just breaks my heart that, family members lost one member, some two. Just what has happened? How could we do that to each other? That's how we look at it because we are here. But at home, all those souls going home together, leaving at the same time, impacting the world the way it did, galvanizing the world the way it did, what it left behind ultimately ultimately, the how, why, who, and caring about each other more, acknowledging that somebody who lives in another country is the same as we are, somebody who has a different religion, same as we are. And we started that track. And also in that time, and I will never forget this, when they were talking in the news about, well, don't lash out at at Muslims, because they were saying Al-Qaeda did it. And at the time, there's no proof who did it. 
until this very day, we don't know. There has never been a definite report about what actually happened. And as much as we investigate things, that was investigated, I think, but the controversy still remains. And over time, it's now we're on to other things, and we had a lot of other crazy issues. But it brought about a lot of regulation, a lot more airport security, a lot more of everything. But 9-11. So it's just that number. Keep in mind that it, it's holding us together. It's constantly injecting the energy of home to earth every single loving second, minute, day, hour, everything. So I hope that answered your question. I have another question from Eric Hillis. And he said, hi, Nadia. I have a question which has been on my mind for a while. I'm wondering what it is exactly about being meek that is so negative. Is there a different definition of meek used by Christ than what is commonly understood as in quiet, gentle, associated with narcissists or psychopaths? At least that's the way I've heard it expressed on your show. Please correct me if I misunderstood. Thanks for any help you can give on this. Eric, I have to tell you, before I met Christ, before I saw Christ, I never even thought about the meek because I never read the Bible. I never read the Quran in Arabic because I don't know how to read in Arabic, and I tried to read it in English, but it, it didn't feel like when I heard it in Arabic or heard it being played in our house when we were kids, it sounded rhythmical, and it just left me feeling anxious. So I didn't know what was going on, but when Christ told me about the meek, I only understood what Christ said, and I had no idea about the quiet, gentle, submissive that would cause a person to be associated with narcissists or psychopaths. So what happened in that was that what Christ was saying, think about this, because it's, it's unbelievable how things are right under our nose. The meek shall inherit the earth. Inherit the earth. How many of us? want to inherit the earth. I don't want to stay here. I don't want to inherit the earth. I believe there's a bigger purpose. I know we go somewhere, so why do I want the earth over anything bigger? So if you are only looking here and you don't see or care or have faith in anything more than what you see or hear. You are capable of doing things that you normally wouldn't do if you felt that there was a God or somebody was watching you. Even if you might talk about God all the time, our actions are what speak. And right now, I am being schooled heavily, heavily, in the meek. So this question is so poignant, so good. And I have been drawn to studying, studying over and over and over again. I'm watching video after video after video of people who are lying. 
and are so blind, blind are the meek, so blind that they cannot even see. Their ego is so big that they cannot even see that the people around them know they're lying. They're not talking to that person. They're talking to the ego, which is a separate energy from that person. We adopt the ego. We invite it in, but we don't come with it, and we, we can't leave with it. We can only leave through pure energy. That's why when people die, they start forgiving everyone, forgiving themselves, talking about God. Now they're starting to believe. They're starting to see. They're starting to feel. Some don't even get there because the ego was invited in to the point where they can't even hear anything else. And what happens is they believe that they are smarter than everybody. They know what nobody knows. And they have, when Christ said there will be two languages, the lack of love and the love. Meek in itself, oh, that person is meek. How many people do you describe as meek? If I said someone was meek, I would think of kind of a shy, kind of a little bit of center, quiet person, exactly what Eric is describing. But Christ is saying, blind are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. They will do whatever they can to get whatever they want here doesn't necessarily mean they're narcissistic or psychopathic. But in extreme situations, which I am watching now over and over again, I'm fascinated with people sitting in a room in a police department being interrogated and how the lying sounds over and over and over again and how they they talk more when they're lying and they think they're convincing you and they really cannot see that the other person is playing them, that the detectives are feeding the ego on one end, getting information on the other, feeding the ego, getting information. These detectives learned how to address the ego, how they get everything they need. Because the person they're speaking to is so short-sighted that they think these people are actually their friends. They have what they call duper's delight that comes through their eyes. And they're, they're actually like, wow, I'm really getting away with this. Nobody can see. Look, these guys are acting like my friends. They cannot see past it because ego doesn't end with a solution. Ego ends with trouble. It's a very interesting thing. So... It's not that it, you misunderstood it. It's that Christ re-educated us and educated me from the beginning because I didn't have a preconceived notion or a negative. It's what we are listening to, how we were able to shut off, let's say, our souls, just not listen to it, and then we're able to hurt each other. We are able to want, get what we want here at any cost, even if it means killing or hurting another human being, taking another soul. Even that's the extreme, where someone can annihilate their family and think no one's going to notice and then just go on to a new relationship and, and get rid of all the financial responsibility and everything else that they messed up in their minds the first time, and they just want to start new. 
They call them family annihilators or someone who kills their husband, who they had a child with. They take their own child's father away or they kill the wife and they take their own children's mother away because they can't see past their actions. And they really believe they've got it all down. So that's how Christ associated or someone who steals money from a company, embezzlement. And then, you know, at the end, the ones who are able to say, yes, I did it. They can admit they did it. They stop lying. The minute they stop lying, you'll find them turning to God in some way. They're at peace. They have nothing to hide. Now, if you have a malignant, malignant, narcissistic type person or someone who has a psychopathic mind, they may not have that capability to even ever admit the truth. You may never learn the truth from them because they are incapable of telling the truth. And in truth, they didn't inherit the earth or home. They're just dead, dead men walking, dead people walking. So there's also mental illness and all of these other things. But just for general purposes, just remind yourself that the meek shall inherit the earth. And who, who really wants to inherit the earth? Because you can't take the earth back with you. You can take your belief, you can take your faith, integrity, you can take your experiences, you can take your evolution. But anything else stays. I don't care how much we have, I don't care how much land we own, I don't care if we own the sun and the moon while we're here. At the end of the day, we can't take that anywhere. We can't take it anywhere. And if we didn't tell people what we owned and who we were in that respect, no one would ever know. They're just meeting a person. So I hope that makes sense. If you have more on that and you want to hear more about that, no, because that topic, I am just dug into it. I am looking at situation after situation after situation, different people, and how blind or not blind they are, the ones who craft, the ones who finally tell the truth, the ones who just thought they were smarter than everyone but hurt themselves by listening to their ego to the point where they are now in a court of law. So thank you for that question because that definitely needs to be clarified over and over and over again because right now we're in that black and white period. We either know it or we don't. There isn't that gray area, well, you know, they're kind of nice. Well, you know, there's definite markers there. So thank you for that question. I have another question, which is an anonymous question. And it says, firstly, good morning, Nadia, and happy, happy new year again. I have a friend who told me that talking to God made him feel stupid and weird. He was raised as a Catholic, then ventured into all kinds, so odd religions, seeing to God. I just listened and my jaw dropped. I could see this longing for God in his eyes. What is up with this situation? Why is he so in his own way? I am still amazed. Well, and thank you. Well, the thing is, is that everybody's on their own journey. At least he's looking. What Christ told me about atheists, and, you know, we need every kind of thought process. You're not 
bad if you're an atheist. God knows you're searching. God knows you know, but you want proof. Some people want solid proof. It's, you know, like as, as though watching something on television is 100% true. People want something that clear. Someone to say, this is God. This is what he looks like. This is what he wants you to do. Go for it. Well, that's not so easy. You don't need faith for that. And even when there are shows that say, well, this is a mystery and we really don't know what happened with Christ and we really don't know what happened with the other prophets and were there other really prophets? And, you know, we start getting caught up in the plate spinning. But that mystery, that mystery is what keeps us interested. When I first saw Christ, people said, oh, well, did he really die on the cross? Oh, and they were asking me all these questions I didn't know the answers to. I asked, I'm like, hey, what's up? Why would you come to me and tell me I have to bridge people's souls back to them? And you don't tell me all the history and all the questions and all the answers that people were going to ask me. Or knew then they wouldn't need faith. And we need faith because without faith, we can't try. So when you have somebody who's looking, he's obviously looking, and talking to God made him feel stupid and weird, it's not because God made him feel that. He felt that. He has to get over that. That's his evolution. At least his honesty was enough to tell you. It was the judgment. Well, my jaw dropped. How could he not? Because you know deep inside everybody's looking for God. They are. Just by saying I don't believe it, you almost want it to be proven to you in some unusual way. But I'm not that amazed at that. I even questioned myself after seeing Christ because so many people questioned me and I fell for it and I listened to my ego like, yeah. Who do I think I am? How can I tell people? And, you know, all this stuff started happening. And then God gave me experiences of learning how to involve people, people coming to me with issues that I helped them with, me needing people to help me. He gave me every situation, many, many angels that I never would have met. I would have never had the situation without God. And what those people don't know, or maybe they do, that God entrusted them for those experiences so that I can learn. I can learn to give. I can learn to receive. I can learn that I'll be okay no matter what happens. I had to suffer a lot in that. I had to remarry a guy with two exes who one was great, one wasn't. I had to no, no, no. And all of that started making sense. And as it started making sense and not making me feel stupid or weird like this young person felt, it was a man, then I didn't care what anyone said because I knew that everything had a reason. Everything had a purpose. And it was always an energy exchange. Even if you may have felt it was an influx on your life, why was it an influx on your life and not someone else's? Why were you asked to face that experience? Why was that experience yours? 
So once you start to live through and you look back at your life and you either focus on, if you don't focus on it, you cannot see it. If you're, if you're looking for an answer, like, you know, I need to be special enough or I need to see this to be convinced, God isn't asking you to be convinced. You just need to be convinced for you. So let him go on his journey. I would embrace that he's an atheist. I would say, hey, at least you thought about it. At least you tried. And you may not have found an answer today, but you will. At some point, because you're looking, and as you mature emotionally, you may start to see that. It's really kind of cool when there's no judgment judging himself, he may be scared of God. He may be scared of knowing. He may think it makes him weak. He may think it might make him too strong and he won't know how to handle who that person is. Whatever it is that's behind him, behind his thoughts, behind his feelings, it's his journey, his evolution. doesn't have to be mine. It doesn't have to be my answer. It's just, that's his truth today. That's where he's at. That's what he's concluded. He may or may not be in his own way. He may just be on the way. Being in our own way is when something great happens to us or we know we are capable of doing something and we don't try. Because now we've put up a barrier. Well, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to do that. I don't have time for that. Nothing good ever happens for me. That's being in your own way. But if he tried and he concluded he's right about one thing, it's weird when you start delving into people's religions because that's a way of life. And a lot of times you don't feel God in that. It's, it's a way of life. Religion is a choice. I want to live in a religion that teaches me to eat this kind of food, go to these kind of places, integrate with these kind of people, do these kind of activities, da 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 all the way down the pipe. That's what religion is. But God is an entirely separate, even though they use God, they, well, for God we do this, be good for God, don't sin, don't, 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 but do, 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 and you'll be fine. But God, at least the way Christ talks to me, his love goes to every religion. So if it goes to every religion, then God has to be ahead of that, bigger than that, larger than that. But we need to keep ourselves busy in some way while we're here. But whatever takes us to God is what's important. Me being Muslim and seeing Christ. Who would have thought that? I would have never thought it. But that was the beauty in it. It expanded my brain that I never thought could expand. And the guilt I felt in the beginning that I saw him, my mom got mad at me, was another story. So it was very, very interesting. But let him, let him go about his business. He'll get there. He's looking. He's trying. 
I have another question. I only have like a minute left, and if I can't answer it, I will I will try to do a show on this. It says it's from Hari Guru, and it says a lot of talk about third dimension and fifth dimension. If Jesus was a higher dimension being, how do we improve to get from where we are to the higher plane? My bigger question is why do you want to be there? Have now. If you live on truth, love, and purity, you are in a higher dimension. If you're not taking away from yourself, there isn't anything here where people are going to just float in midair. We have to be realistic about who we are and how high we go and how do we know and how do we measure that. But that's why Christ talks about truth, love, and purity. Because when you have nothing to hide, you no longer need to hide and you rise. And I hope that answered your question. I have 10 seconds left. I will see you guys on Monday. I love you guys. Have a good first weekend of the new year. Bye-bye. You have been listening to today's Daily Dose of the Nadia Khalil Morning Show. To learn more, visit www.nadiakhalil.com.